Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Hello there, you are listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host for this segment. Today we are speaking with Cheryl Hay, Director of Project Talent Acquisition at Jobs Ohio. Cheryl is responsible for the challenging work of developing a skilled advanced manufacturing workforce for Ohio firms. Before Jobs Ohio, she served as Deputy Chancellor with the Ohio Department of Higher Education and focused on strategies to help Ohio's higher education system line with the workforce needs of Ohio businesses. At the same time, she continued to serve as Vice President of Workforce Development for Columbus State Community College. Uh, before Columbus State, Cheryl also worked as Vice President of Workforce Development for the Columbus Chamber, where she initiated efforts to ensure a quality workforce for 3,500 local business members. She spent 13 years in the private sector carrying out the human resources needs of White Consolidative Industries, one of the world's largest manufacturers of household appliances, with 27,000 U.S. employees. Cheryl received the Ohio Economic Development Association Workforce Innovation Award in 2010 and received commendation for her skilled workforce practices and job preparation coursework by the National Governors Association and the Corporation for a Skilled Workforce. Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You recently blogged uh, that an Ohio-based CEO told you that talented people were the most critical request. How did Jobs Ohio come to the realization that this should be an area of focus with new and existing manufacturing firms in the state? Well, I don't think it's a surprise to any manufacturer listening to this that the talent market is tight. And it's not just tight in Ohio, it's tight everywhere, um, nationally, uh, globally. And um, what we hear from site selectors who are working with companies who are either looking to expand their businesses that are already here in Ohio or are looking for a new home for their manufacturing facility, um, their talent is becoming a factor on whether they pull the trigger on going forward with that work. And so what we want to do is begin to take that concern from them and be able to provide them with a really streamlined delivery so that they don't hesitate to create jobs, which is certainly something you know we have a huge interest in in the state of Ohio is ensuring our manufacturers are healthy. Um, and we want to be able to help them continue to move forward with those job creation strategies. If I may pose a, a similar question to that, what that was asked by uh, Columbus Business First in April. Um, from the Jobs Ohio perspective, what innovations and strategic opportunities do you see that exist to help businesses in the state? Well, I think, you know, one of the things we hear most often from manufacturers is, I didn't know. So when we sit down with them and they talk to us about their struggles in finding talent, a lot of times, not every time, depending on the sophistication level of the business or how long they've struggled, um, we can find low-hanging fruit for them. So they often don't know that there's dollars to help with wages for internships and co-ops, such as what OSU provides uh, in conjunction with the Department of Higher Ed uh, under the High Means Co-ops and Internship Program. They don't know that there's a revolving loan program um, in the state of Ohio that provides dollars for individuals who can't access funding any other way, but it kind of functions a little bit like financial aid in that they have you know, so long after graduation before they begin to pay it back. It's a very low interest rate. So they don't realize our legislature has provided that type of uh, funding stream to help get people into jobs. Um, 
we in education programs that lead to those jobs. They don't know about certain workforce agencies that might be able to provide them service. They don't understand the wealth of actual job resumes that are on the high means job system that the state has and the ways we can cut and dice that information for them so that they can really target their job ads to people who already have resumes out there so they're already looking for work. So, you know, that's the very first thing that we hear is, wow, I didn't know this was out there. I didn't know I could tap into that. So really having that ability to provide a connecting uh, conversation for people. Um, there's a lot of great work going on that manufacturers themselves are leading, but it's all siloed. It's in it's 10 manufacturers over here and three over here that are working with a school or a set of students or concerned manufacturers. But it's, it's not bringing it up to a level that we can expand it statewide. And so that's some of the things that we're trying to, um, as we work with businesses on talent acquisition and job creation, we want to take what we hear current businesses are doing and kind of try to tie it together, bring it to the light of our agency partners, the Governor's Office of Workforce Transformation, uh, Department of Job and Family Services, the Department of Higher Ed, and be able to, sh to um, help them bring resources to the table to help take that statewide. So those are just a couple of the things that you know tend to come up most often when we talk to manufacturers. So you're working with a, a tremendous set of, of partners, and uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, have, have you developed uh, an idea of what you want to do with the workforce delivery mechanisms? So specific to what we're going to do on the talent side for Jobs Ohio, um, we have four services that we want to provide to job creators, advertising and marketing their jobs, um, talent sourcing for them, uh, providing uh, new hire assessment strategies and um, screening their new hires, and then providing them education and training. Now, Jobs Ohio, I have a staff of 11. We are not going to <laughs> be providing that, obviously, ourselves. We are going to tap into um, the richness of partners that the state of Ohio has in those spaces and really help fill in the gaps where you know, our partners in education and workforce delivery have been providing these services, but they're usually um, sometimes halted by the type and, of funding that they have. The funding doesn't extend to a certain point of the delivery, or there are requirements around the per how the person has to look um, in order to receive that funding to get into that education track to get that job. And so what we're trying to do is look at, okay, how can we bring flexible dollars to the space? How can we bring providers together to talk about common challenges and then work through our state agency partners and the governor's office to like um, put some more focus on how we remove some of those barriers? So for our job creation projects, our businesses can select from any of those four services. Again, we'll be providing those services in conjunction with partners already in Ohio, but it'll be very customized and tailored to that business how they acquire talent now, what their strategies and culture for their company are. Um, they can pick and choose from that menu. So if they have a really great already pre-screening process, um, but they really have difficulty um, advertising and getting their jobs noticed, we would put our strength behind how we have um, developed a strategy on how to advertise by region um, to certain occupations specifically. So how do you advertise to an engineer versus a software developer? Right. Those are the types of strategies we'll be putting in place with this work. So in terms of, uh, you know, developing the business strategies, the recruitment, preparing the workforce, um, 
what are you what are you finding early on in in developing an approach? In are you are you seeing uh, it's better to have some kind of standardized training practice, or um, are returning to apprenticeships as some <laughs> firms have done, as we've discussed earlier? Um, what what are you seeing as some of the keys to moving companies into a space where they can? Um, attract and retain the workforce they need? So I think um, where Ohio has seen the most movement has been in their workforce alliance strategy. So um, it, let's take the insurance industry as an example. The governor had pulled together for, um, CEOs from the insurance sector, about 30 of them statewide, and they initially had met with the governor to talk about the condition of their industry related to the regulatory environment, um, the business environment, things like that. But as those uh, companies met, talent kept coming up. And so they formed a smaller committee of that group to focus on how will we have a workforce for insurance in the future. And their dilemma <clears throat> is really that, I mean, students just don't come onto a campus and say, hey, I want to be in insurance. Um, and we do not have insurance-specific programs in the state of Ohio. So when they started this work, they did not, not only did they not have people attracted to the pipeline, they also didn't have um, education pipeline to pull from. So what they did was they realized, yes, we're competitors, and we're always going to compete for talent, but if we don't sit down together and figure out a solution and help fund that solution, we're not going to get anywhere. And so those insurance companies put money on the table. They created an insurance industry resource council that looked at their labor market data, focused on what occupations they were most going to need going forward in the future. They created a marketing campaign and messaging to uh, career changers, veterans, high school students, um, to try to drive people into um, looking at and investigating insurance careers. They profiled some of their most successful hires in their industry. Um, they have a, a web portal where if you ask insurance a question, an actual HR manager who does hiring will respond to you so that you can get accurate information about what you need to do to be employed in their industry. And then they worked with education to create programs. So they went from not having anything specific to insurance to now they have um, six baccalaureate programs, two associate degree programs, and a certificate program. So what we're seeing is successful is when we can get multiple employers to sit down together and begin to look at their workforce um, labor market information, be informed about what that data looks like, what the grads look like coming out of the schools, how many uh, projected growth there is for their industry in certain occupations, and then working with our education institutions and with government to put together solutions for that industry. Right now, manufacturing is doing that with a council that they put together called the um, Ohio Manufacturing Careers Council. I was just about to ask that. Uh, how has that work informed your approach at Jobs Ohio? What that's, uh, um, that involves the Lightweight Innovations for Tomorrow, or our LIFT program, and, and how, um, and uh, I, I know that a number of uh, manufacturers who are involved in that council have indicated that the insurance model uh, seems to be a, a good fit with what, what is being uh, worked on with the, count, the Manufacturers Career Council. So what we did when, you know, manufacturers were talking with us about their talent issues, you know, they have a similar problem. So where insurance 
did not have any education programs. We have a lot of education programs for manufacturing, but we don't have volume of students in those programs. And so they also have an image issue. Um, people associate the technology impacts on manufacturing and the job loss that resulted from manufacturing technology impact um, to say that it's a dying industry. I can't tell you how many times I hear faculty, I hear parents say that, well, you don't want to go into manufacturing because this is the state of the industry, and that's not the state of the industry at all. Um, so there is a lot of misinformation out there about the wealth of careers, what the careers are, what people can make, the stability of the employment, um, and we need to correct that impression. And so um, the manufacturers wanted some kind of solution for that. Um, so we actually took the CEOs from insurance, met with the CEOs from manufacturing. They did in September of last year. We had about 60 manufacturers across the state attend a roundtable event where the insurance industry talked about, here was our challenge, here's how we addressed it, here's what worked and what did not work. Um, so learn from our mistakes. But also probably one of the biggest things is we quit waiting on, on federal or state funding to fix this problem. We, each of us, looked at our recruiting budgets. We took a small portion of that, and we put it together in a pot, and we did this together, um, knowing that we not only needed to fund this so we could control the messaging, so the messaging was accurate, and it really meets our um, specific talent needs, but also we realized that job security for today's individual is about number of opportunities. It's not about how long you're with one employer. It's about how many employers have that same type of occupation to offer me. And one way we can really draw a lot of people towards our careers is to be able to show them, look at all the manufacturers standing here and the opportunities they have to offer you. So that would lead to core sets of curriculum as well. It, it absolutely would. So part of what the group is focused on, in addition to image, is they're also looking at education and trying to find commonality. So if I if I want to be a CNC operator, I want to be in tool and die. If I want to be a maintenance or mechatronics technician, are there core courses that we could put people through and let them get exposure to the industry and then pick the pathway that they want to go towards? Um, so for example, in insurance, they have um, obviously different types of claims adjusters. Those that focus on residential and commercial, those that focus on auto, and those that focus on the medical field. So what their idea was to put people into insurance programs, but then expose them to construction, expose them to medical, and let them begin to pick which place did they want to specialize in. So could we use a similar strategy when we look at um, manufacturing? Could we take some core courses out of some of those occupations we just talked about and have some um, kind of foundational work, if you will, that people could go into, and then they could determine that specialty as they got exposed to the industry? So given the, the focus uh, of curriculum, and then you've also mentioned uh, faculty, uh, in terms of, of roles and priorities, um, or prioritized roles, uh, if I may, you know, how can academic institutions um, work in, in this space? You know, what do you see as the responsibilities of, let's say, the uh, community colleges and the Ohio Technical Centers versus the research universities and, and playing in this space? Well, I think everybody has a role depending, uh, and a different role depending on the audience. So if we just talk about the student for a moment. Um, if we have a student who really needs to get to work quickly, 
um, for multiple pressures, uh, life pressures and reasons, then certainly the career centers and the community colleges are a great fast track to getting into um, a career. But then if we look at um, individuals that were turning out at our higher levels um, from our universities with you know a broader skill set, oftentimes they're not connecting with employment as quickly as they should. And sometimes that's because they haven't really been taught how to look for employment. And I think the role our universities can play um, is, you know, while they're obviously catering to a very broad range of student uh, individuals with liberal arts degrees, we're creating uh, the next civic contributor, as well as people that want to have a very specific technical type career. I think the one thing that's missing across that whole spectrum of student is a conversation with them about, here's how you look for a job, here's the things you need to know about borrowing money um, to go into a career, about what is the, that career going to pay you, um, what, what is the health of that career in the state of Ohio or in the region and city in which you live. What are the actual requirements? You know, so many of our, our parents talk about students who just seem to be taking course after course with no real strategy. And a lot of our um, completion strategies have focused on how do we get students really focused on, you know, here's what you need to take and try to stay in that course and get through it versus, oh, I did really bad, so I'm just going to drop it and I'll pick it up later and really understand the ramifications of all of that and, and how it delays your ability to get into that career. Um, and so if we even think about our, our, our students that are in the art spaces um, and really help them articulate what that degree really enables them to do in, in uh, the world of work. Because there will be times that they'll need to engage in the world with, of work as they pursue those arts. Um, and so how do we better articulate the liberal arts and the value of what that um, provides and the kind of person you can hire? Um, and so I think from the student perspective, that's where faculty can play a much bigger role. You know, and, and they're limited. I mean, you know, we've really tried to look at in a state can, how, how long does it really take to give someone an associate degree and a bachelor's degree? So we've really cut down, you know, the number of hours that can be delivered. And so they can't add courses, whole courses. But maybe we could look at things like in statistics courses and um, math courses, um, giving an assignment. Look up the labor market data for X. What does it say to you? Um, if you think about speech class, you think about um, any type of presentation class or English lit, do a paper on an industry and its careers or the, um, you know, the, the strategy of that industry about how it's going to grow careers in different services and products. And you would grade that the way you would for any presentation style, um, but they would be forced to learn something about that career pathway. And so we think that those are the ways the education institutions can um, provide a, a lot of value to helping individuals connect with careers. Um, I think on the business side, businesses have to be out front and center. Um, they cannot wait on um, hopefully career counselors um, who, uh, if you look at the Department of Labor's occupation table, there's over 800 occupations <laughs> um, that career counselors would need to know something about. And it's just impossible for one person to know something about that many industries and that many career paths. So how can we better connect our businesses into providing ways for them to talk to students, 
um, talk to communities. You know, if you think about our the the folks, our nonprofit organizations in our community service, how could we get businesses in front of them to talk about careers? Um, you know, we've talked to businesses about your you're spending money with your local school, but and and you know we think sports are important and athletics are important, but in addition to funding the ball team, could you fund a, a parent activity? so that you could actually get in front of parents and um, actually begin to correct their impressions of manufacturing. So could you go to the local parent association meeting for that school and actually provide their meal or something and get the chance to talk to them? I'd like to see the jerseys for that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so actually, let's, let's uh, take it from the, the students to the, the, the incumbent worker and that perspective for a moment. Um, I mean, are you working on that as well in terms of, in, in terms of the pre-screening process, for example? Is there a way to identify incumbent workers that would be, uh, have skills that could apply to uh, the jobs that a manufacturer is seeking? Well, I think the whole, you know, the whole conversation around assessment is interesting because most as the person being assessed, you're, you're assuming that you're being assessed out of something. Um, and so that's one thing we have to change is people's perceptions of when we actually asking you to take this, this test or this query of questions, it's about trying to figure out how we fit you in to our plan. Um, we have a lot of manufacturers who have very sophisticated assessment strategies, and then we have a lot that don't because maybe they're smaller companies and they haven't quite got to that level of sophistication with their hiring processes yet. They may not have the luxury of having an HR professional. They may have the purchasing manager doing the hiring for their company. And so how do you, um, what we want to do is be able to provide for them a menu of tools that our schools would actually have available for them that they could go to a school and say, okay, I'm trying to find a CNC operator and what I find is everyone I hire I have a 60% turnover rate why do I have that a lot of times it has to do with your hiring process if you had a more sophisticated assessment strategy you can ensure that person actually has not only the fit for the work but the fit for the culture of the environment that you're providing to them because every company has a unique culture you have a unique speed at which you do business and maybe that individual wasn't quite geared to that specific speed that you wanted or the culture fit for your company and that assessment process can really help your retention rate um, so what we're trying to do is work with the department of higher ed here in the state of ohio to um, rebuild uh, the assessment tools that we have available on our campuses um, we already have um, department of higher ed has put four hundred thousand dollars into that strategy to rebuild um, uh, purchases that we had had a number of years ago on some sophisticated assessment tools that employers use across industries. Um, we are help, uh, Lorraine Community College actually houses that for the universities and the, and the community colleges right now. And we are going to be adding to that as we talk with businesses about what kind of things do you use to um, screen your new hires? What kind of tools do you think are best fit your industry and culture type? And then we'll add those to that menu. And then that way we'll have a repository in the state that just keeps growing of things that employers can and manufacturers can certainly tap um, on the uh, campuses of our education institutions to help them build those strategies. Speaking of, uh, you know, you've talked about you know, developing, the, developing your team and then uh, pulling together the resources. 
uh, let's focus on the company for the last question. And you know, what steps can companies take uh, to uh, to access these resources? And uh, once you're up and running, oh, how can they tap into and what are the qualifications to uh, access the Jobs Ohio resources that are being developed in this area? Well, like we said, we're going to do this delivery um, in partnership with our workforce and education partners in the state of Ohio. So um, while the services that we provide on the talent side are really focused on projects that Jobs Ohio has that are job creation projects that have been awarded talent assistance, um, what we do is also building capacity across the region. So if we have to purchase a piece of equipment, for example, to train someone, that piece of equipment remains in the region with that education partner. Um, so we've I hope by this work we're enriching with resources, um, but then we're also um, having a lot better connected conversations. So we're meeting with all of our state agencies. Um, uh, we're meeting with our associations for community colleges, the Inter-University Council for the universities, and really trying to talk through, okay, this is what this particular business client just detailed for us as a problem in the talent pipeline. Here's what we think um, we brought you together because we are pretty sure you have the assets to fix this um, and, or help us devise a plan to address it. And then we'll be working through the governor's office of workforce transformation to really facilitate those conversations. Um, but we'll, we'll bring um, some of the business intelligence, if you will, to the table to help other people take action on it and continue to build up the um, both regional and statewide resources that can do talent delivery. All right, any other call to action you would like to present? You know, um, for the work that we're doing with the Ohio uh, Manufacturing Careers Council, we could really use more manufacturers at the table. Um, the only way, and this is a lesson the insurance industry um, gave us, the only way that this becomes sustainable, that we really change the image of um, the careers, that we can drive people into education programs for manufacturing and thus into manufacturing jobs, is the manufacturers have to tell their story. They have to be the one that articulates, this is what the job is, this is what it does, this is the importance of it to what we do as a company, um, this is what my company is, um, this is what you can expect to, um, from a perspective of pride in being in the manufacturing industry, what we create, um, not just for the state, but for the nation. Um, so really having more manufacturers join our image committee would be very important at this time. We have just selected a marketing firm um, to help us work on what the image campaign for manufacturing careers would look like. And we'd like to have the input of as many manufacturers as possible, as well as um, their thoughts on how we can make this along long-term strategy. I mean, we've been uh, given a great lift, gift by Lyft. They've provided funding, seed funding, to start this work. Um, they are paying for the first uh, two years of work of the um, or of the uh, marketing firm that we selected. But two years is up, then what happens? So how do we keep this going? And, you know, that's why insurance gathered the way they did. They tried to figure out a way to continue the momentum that they had built because um, two years of a bump in talent is nothing when they're looking at a need of 25,000 people to fill their jobs after baby boomer retirements. Um, so manufacturing, I think, is facing pretty similar numbers. So who should they contact? They can contact me, um, uh, and um, 
uh, I don't know how you provide yeah, we'll, that kind. We'll put it on the website. Okay. Um, they could also contact um, uh, Department of Higher Ed, John McGill at the Department of Higher Ed. We do this in partnership with them, uh, as well as Lyft. Um, Jessica Borza, who is um, our state contact for Lyft. So uh, any of the three of us would be happy to work with them and, and get them in the loop. Fantastic. So, thank, thank you for your time, Cheryl. Oh, thank you.